Welcome back to another episode of Caffeinated CX, where we talk about CX and stuff, all in a hyper-caffeinated state. I'm David, your host, and with me today is Ryan Warner. I hope I pronounced that correct. All right. Crushed it. Awesome. And you're a professor of communications, huh? I am, yes, among other things, but yes. Awesome. We are going high class here on Caffeinated CX. <laughs> so, all right. <clears throat> Ryan, uh, really briefly, because... Uh, Let's keep this short. I'd like to keep these about the same length of a coffee break. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I'm a professor of communication. I explore on a weekly basis, not so much daily anymore because of other tasks, but on a weekly basis, I constantly review research and conduct my own research, exploring new strategies and new techniques to communicate more effectively in, in different scenarios. And then on a more practical level, I'm a published author. I just wrote a book called The Effective Presenter, uh, the winning formula for business presentations and for, for people to communicate more effectively. I work with folks uh, reducing their speaking anxiety, helping them to deliver more effectively. And recently I've been doing a lot of training and coaching in terms of uh, team building, uh, conflict resolution, leadership, and things of that nature. That's awesome. That's uh, right up my alley, actually. Um, <laughs> I love it. So. Um, the effective presenter is, uh, that just, uh, how to make really good PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, no, <laughs> good question, but, but no, uh, so right. the effective presenter, yeah, the basis is how to convey yourself optimally and, and it's really rooted in what do you want them to think at the end? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, the way my mind works, I always kind of reverse engineer things. So what do you want the outcome to be? And then we work backwards. And I realized over my time working with individuals that some folks have difficulty envisioning that and some folks of no fault of their own, they were just trained. What they think a presentation is, is what they sat through, what they had to sit oh, through, yeah, yeah. right? So that's what they replicate, unfortunately, and with poor results. Yeah. So I, I try to provide them a different mindset, a different perspective, and a pairing with that, a new approach to achieve a better results. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I've sat through many presentations that, you know, you halfway through, you're like, yeah, I'll be back. I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> so yeah, but if you have any impact on that, I think that's a good thing because man, some, some people are just dry. So, but, um, the, you posted an article recently, I think it was on Thrive, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, going off of memory, even though I just looked it up, um, about <laughs> Generation Z and the workplace, right? So mm -hmm. can you give a brief synopsis of that? And then I'll post the link down in the uh, show notes as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, memory, I, I, I feel you on that too. The other, Just the other day, I forgot what gate I was going to in the airport and I had just looked <laughs> at my ticket. So I feel like we're trending in the same direction there. Yep. yep. But no, yeah, the article I wrote about Gen Z entering the workforce, it was by popular request, I want to say. A lot, many people have asked me about it because when I do training around the country and even internationally, there's more and more Gen Z that are coming into the workforce. Mm -hmm. And they really are a different breed than, than we've seen before. Uh, I mean, many, you know, the kids these days, old thought, school mm -hmm. of thought has been around for millennia. But this group really has come uh, come up with advanced technology mm -hmm. and their ability to multitask, to make decisions, to accomplish things 
is really unparalleled. We haven't quite seen maybe one-offs in the past, but not by like on mass. So the way that they respond to instructions and the way that they produce has been influenced a lot by the environment that they grew up in. Instead of the, the idea for the article that I had, it was instead of trying to you know jam a square peg into a round hole, so to speak, forcing them to you know uh, assimilate to traditional workplace conduct and workplace operations. It's far more conducive to success if the organization shifts and starts accommodating to you know take take advantage of their strengths. Yeah. It's like I always talk to people that like it's like a football coach like Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots. He works with what he has. He doesn't say, oh, I need a player that can do X. He goes, who do I have to work with? OK, how do I get the most out of them? Right. And I think if we look at it through that lens, I mean, obviously finding the right talent and getting the right people in the right seats is important. But beyond that, finding ways to optimize that, that's really the challenge of an organization. If you can master that, then that's where you go from good to great. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago that uh, people were saying about millennials, right? How how do we work with them? How do we manage them? How do we lead them? And at the time, this was only a couple of years ago, it was like, millennials are 37. What are you <laughs> talking about? I mean, they're they're buying houses right now. Maybe not with house prices, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're in the age to buy houses. What do you mean? How do you work with them? They're They're almost middle-aged. <laughs> so, yeah. But now we're seeing the same thing with the Generation Z or the Zoomers coming up in the workforce, and people are asking the same questions. Although I will admit some older executives and stuff are still calling Generation Z millennials. So that's just something I've noticed. All right. So, but to answer the question, how do we integrate fully uh, Generation Z into the workforce? And because I know the question is going to come up. How do we lead them? Great question. Both great questions. When it comes to, we'll do them um, chronologically. So integrating Gen Z into the workforce, it really is a matter of understanding where they're coming from and understanding how they process information and how they approach, view and approach tasks and projects. When, when we're, if we're able to, take a step back and say, okay, let's, let's meet them halfway here. Let's not just assume that when they, when, when a new employee comes in, who's a little bit younger, they're going to be eager to jump on board to what we're doing and, and learn all the new terminology right away and learn the new workflow and, and process. Let's assume for a second that we can accommodate them a little bit. Like we can bend and see where they excel maybe where they need a bridge to for a gap or two and what we can do to to make it easier for them so it takes a little bit of of almost a culture shift and an understanding that the premium should be placed on performance and on ability to contribute to a positive environment and not so much strictly production like how much time are you at your desk or how often are you completing tasks it should be more about the quality that you do. And with that message, we see better, like optimal results that over time. Now, what can we do to lead them? Well, we can we can show them and we can remind them and reinforce that, that we care about them and that their development as, in, as individuals, as professionals, as in their careers is important to us. And it's something that we value. And as organizations, 
that's one when I consult with organizations, that's one thing that's always paramount is well, what message are we sending them directly or indirectly? Right. The message that they we want them to receive is that they're important to us and on like a, even on a personal level as well as professional. And one day if they choose to transition to another role or another job or another place that they will look fondly back on this and say, yeah, we help their development and that they are have a better skill set or more advanced because of the time they spend here. Right? That's a reputation you want as a workplace. And that's ultimately going to propel you to new heights. Right. Okay, um, so like one of the stereotypes of Generation Z is they have uh, really short attention spans, right? Um, mm -hmm. Always on their phones, which I don't think that has an age anymore. So, <laughs> True. Um, and that they're a bit, well, let's just say socially conscious, which is not a bad thing at all, um, but they're very political, right? So. At least that's the stereotype of what I've seen. They're very, very, very politically opinionated and which I love. So <laughs> like, I, I'm not, I don't even care which, uh, which side they're on. I'm just loving to see it. Cause a lot, a lot of millennials, generation X, they're just burnt out. So mm. right now in the political discourse, it's like the boomers and generation Z. Mm. Everyone else is just like, we don't care, man. Just... <laughs> just fix things i don't know so but and a lot of them will both of those will uh bring the politics and everything into the workplace which is a fear for hr right mm. so yeah so because you know you don't want to offend anybody but the joke is now everything is offensive mm -hmm. so be quiet <laughs> so um now in your opinion where does uh political discussion start and stop in an office like where where's the line that's a good question can i address do you mind if i address the, the first point you brought yeah, about the, the attention span yeah that's because that's a misconception I, I think that it kind of strikes with me because I, i've seen and I've, I've trained i've worked with so many uh gen z i think that there's a confusion between you know a lack of attention span and just their propensity to find information more quickly, right? Like they, yes, on one hand, yes, they have had the ability to find information more quickly. They have, they don't have to go to the library, read a book. They can find it in two seconds on their right. phones, but because they have that ability, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't focus for longer. It just means that, you know, if you can get to the same destination in shorter time, why not? And that's exactly. what they're used to, right? So the where we so a lot of the times like i advocate for that like let them go they'll find more mm -hmm. information in two minutes than i will in, in an hour sometimes <laughs> but where, where that kind of gets a little bit cloudy is or where that can cause a, a little bit of uh, some issues is if the, it's a processes that has multiple moving parts okay. and sometimes there's you know that that's not revealed yet so they think that they've got to the end when they're at part one or part two and there's more beyond that but um, as for the the political, that's a that's a great question. I've n I have never been asked that. I can honestly say, in all the the interviews and podcasts <laughs> I've done, no one's ever asked me that. I would say, I hate to say anything. I'm, that's not my forte, so I'm not 100 percent sure what to do. Mm -hmm. But I guess I maybe because you're a business owner. I mean, I, what what do you do? Do you find that's an issue with your employees? On hot button issues. 
um, like what's recently happened in the States with the Supreme Court mm-hmm. and uh, other such things going back the last six years, um, maybe a little bit beyond that. Um, you know, it's a topic of discussion because it's on the news cycle every single night. So people talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't mind. I think any engagement is good, you know, as long as they're not screaming at each other and getting mad and storming out of conversations. But rational discussion, cool. I love it. Um, it is a fine line because HR, HR is like, eh, no, no, none of that. None of that. <laughs> so, but it's a, we, we try to limit it, you know, but uh, there's no, there's no stopping it really. So, and it's the, uh, the millennials and generation X, they don't care. They're off doing their own thing, getting their stuff done. It's the uh, Gen Z and the boomers that are uh, discussing it. And uh, I, I will say the, uh, what I expected of uh, the political spectrum to be between the two generations is the opposite of what's actually I'm, what actually I'm seeing. So. <laughs> you know, that's really interesting to me. I, this is all like, this is uh this is new information, but I, I guess one thing I can share is that mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm consulting with organizations and when I'm talking, when I'm giving keynotes, especially on uh, positive culture shifts and things of that nature, respect is always one of mm-hmm. the foundational blocks yep. and, and, and again, preaching that from the top down. So in that, same vein respectful being respectful to other people in terms of opinion agreeing and disagreeing i mean that's has to be there and and in order for a a functional organization to prosper there needs to be that okay we we disagree but we respect each other and and where we have different experiences that shaped our mindset or that shaped our beliefs and this is how we see things differently but, but yeah, I think that that's, that's one thing. I'm sorry. I wish I could share more of It's just that this is a, yeah, that's kind of a, a curveball for me. Yeah. No, I, I like putting people on the spot. It's fun. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> I just, one of the things I've noticed in the last couple of years, um, especially when it comes to Gen Z, cause, and again, I love it. So, cause I've always been kind of a contrarian myself. Um, so, but that goes with the whole uh, growing up in the punk rock scene and everything. So, <laughs> well, I'll go, I'll go on a, if you don't mind, I'll go on a, if I may yeah. go on a tangent here. Yeah. But I think a lot of the, a lot of the problem that I see in today's world is the problems get exacerbated. They get blown up because of miscommunication. It, it's simply because well, most of the time, I don't want to overgeneralize, but most of the time it's because people don't know how to communicate or convey their thoughts effectively. So they're conveying their thoughts the best they can, because um, that's that's what they can do, and it's received, um, you know, in whatever tone the the receiver is feeling at the moment. So there's a lot of because communication has kind of been a neglected skill, and it's been a neglected art. People just take it for granted. That now I think that things escalate really quickly, really negatively. People get heated sometimes, and and sometimes it's really just a. Uh, you know, a wrong, cho- poor choice of words, or it was, you know, this, that's the only term the person knew. He never 
didn't hear another term before. So that's what they used. And it turns out that that struck a chord with someone else. So I think that there should definitely be, and I've, I've said this everywhere I go, people should be trained on how to speak and how to communicate. And, you know, in, in like, for example, in the US military, if you send a sergeant sends a, a private into battle without a, a weapon, they face a court martial because you, you can't do that. But in the real world, we send people out to work every day, not knowing how to speak and communicate. And right. we just hope for the best, like figure yeah. it out, right? Don't argue with them or get, be more productive. Well, yep. well, they don't know how to do that. They were never, they were taught, <laughs> you know, that's all they, they know is to do what X, what the yeah. criteria is for the job, right? No, it's like, it's like the, uh, the call center trains that are six weeks long and then five weeks and four days is spent on the systems. And then like <laughs> half the last day is spent on customer service, you know, if they have time. Right. right. So they don't know that they, they know how to navigate the systems. Six weeks is probably way too long for that, but I've seen it. <laughs> it's a long time. You can do that in a day, but, and then if they have time for it, that's how you learn how to deal with the customer, how to talk to them, everything else. So they have no idea how to communicate. And when they get on the floor, that first customer that yells at them, mm -hmm. they're a lot of the times, especially if it's their first job, they don't know how to deal with that. They mm -hmm. weren't trained. So uh, when I was at a call center in Utah, like person's first call, she got screamed at, she broke down, started crying. And then on break, she just left. <sighs> so bad, bad stuff. But if there had been communications training, some maybe customer service training in there, mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't have gone that way. So, and that has to be part of the entire culture of the business and the training program. Um, a lot of the times with that example, like systems training all the way through, and then at the very end, a little bit of customer service, my opinion is that should be flipped, right? And maybe not six weeks, but because, you know, Parkinson's law goes into effect there, but <laughs> you don't learn anything. So if uh, someone was uh, onboarding, a bunch of Generation Z and let's say younger millennials. There's mm -hmm. a there's like a blurring there. Um, what would the ideal let let's say for a customer service call center? What would be the ideal training structure? Uh, first thing that springs to mind off, off the top of my head, people will be far more confident if you give mm -hmm. them an exemplar. If you familiarize them with this with the territory they're about to step into. So uh, scenario-based training, I think would be great. Also uh, in, built into the scenarios, kind of explaining to them the rationale behind. Too many people don't do that. They just say, so this is what's happening and this is what we're gonna do to, in this situation, do X, in this situation, do Y, in this situation. It's like, okay, but why is this person angry, right? Well, like, what are they, th and when they say that, when they call me up and they scream at me, like what is causing that? Like, is this a common thing? Or is everyone having this problem? Or is this person just having a bad day? Like when you understand what's happening behind the scenes in, ter in terms of like the caller psyche or whoever you're, you're talking about, you're much, you're in a far greater position to, to speak from because then when you're, you're not taking things personally, you're understanding that it's not against you. This is just the, the expression. That's how the manifestation of their emotions is coming out and, and their perspective of the problem. And then we, I'd give them some tools, some phrases to use, right? To, you know, show that you understand, to convey that you're hearing them. And usually that's a little bit disarming. 
uh, gets the drawbridge down a little bit. And then from there, you're able to actually begin a conversation where, where you can start to build the trust and start to build a rapport and work towards a positive solution. Unfortunately, a lot of that, like it, it does take some time and it takes some awareness for organizations to realize that, you know, the more we invest in them, the more they're going to produce for us. It, it's not just like you said, train them on the system. They'll figure out how to talk. No, no, no. We need to train them how to communicate. They'll figure out the system. That's yeah. what I would say. Perfect. Perfect. That's uh, honestly just because of a uh, bias. That was the answer that I wanted to hear. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, that, that was great. All right. And so I know we have to rush off really soon because it's getting to be about that time. Um, so any last words for our viewers, any last nuggets of wisdom you want to bring to the table? Yeah. The, the last thing I would say, of course, thank you for the question. I, I would say is everyone says the audience is the most important stakeholder or your counterpart when you're speaking to someone and they are, you, you need to understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, you need to understand what you want to happen. What is your desired outcome? If the more you start to think in terms of what you want to happen, the more you'll realize even subconsciously your words and your actions are driving that to come to fruition. So just keep that in mind and you're one step closer to your goal. Perfect. Thank you. And how can people find you online? Great question. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can uh, type in Ryan Warner, uh, W-A-R-R-I-N-E-R. You can also find my websites, professionalpresentationservices.com. I have a mailing list. Uh, it's totally free. One tip, tip of the week. Every week it goes out. And yeah, grab a copy of my book. It's on Amazon. It's on Apple. Everywhere books are sold. And if uh, there's something we can do to help you, we'd be happy to, to chat. Perfect. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, 100%. This has been great. So, Ryan, thank you and have yourself a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Caffeinated CX. Have a good one. Bye.